0: Good morning, everyone. Hi, that was nice. I wasn't expecting a response right away. That's good. Uh, Everyone, please applaud Rako for the lovely job of playing she just did for us. Thank you. Uh, My name is Dave. Sometimes people call me Wonder Dave because it's a nickname. Real fun stuff. Uh, And I am joined on this morning, uh, this morning, uh, on the chancel uh, by Reverend, also Dave, Salmons. So you're having a Dave-filled morning today here at UUSF. Uh, He's a minister emeritus of the Mount Diablo Church where he served for 23 years. Um, We hope that all of you here or on our live stream have an order of service up so you can follow along. Uh, If you are on the live stream, uh, it is below the video. You can find it. Uh, For those of you who are joining us, if you have any issues on the live stream, please reach out in the chat and someone will be able to assist you. Today we'll be talking about feeling alive. So I hope that you all feel that way today. Thank you once again for joining us here at the Unitarian Universalist Church of San Francisco. Um, I would like to start today off, if you would join me in standing and open your gray hymnals to our opening hymn, which is hymn number 349. At this point, I would like you all, uh, I would like to invite you all to please look at your order of service and check out all the things we have upcoming here at UUSF. Uh, One of the notable and important events we have coming up is our auction, and I am going to let Gino come up here and tell us just a little bit about it right now. So come on up, Gino. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Dave. It's so great to be up here on a day where we have Dave squared on the chancel. What could be better than that? So uh, let me introduce myself, because I'm sure there's a couple friends here who I haven't met yet. My name is Gino, Gino Fortunato. And I am one of the co-chairs of our annual auction. As most of you know, as part of our uh, commitment to be together, we pass a budget. Our budget has an auction that says we're going to raise some additional funds along with our pledges. And today is that day. I know that's a surprise to some of you, right? But no, it's not too late to bid. It's not too late to register. It's not too late to buy a ticket and join us. The auction will end, uh, I'm sorry, the auction starts immediately after the service today. And the silent bidding ends at 2 o'clock. There are really some wonderful, wonderful things that you can bid on. For those of you who are on the live stream, you can uh, register. I'm sure Joe will be happy to put the, the link into the chat there. So for those of you who are here, I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, at the live auction this afternoon. There's fun, there's games, and of course, if you're here, you can smell the wonderful food that Thomas is cooking for us, and I'll be looking forward to seeing you later. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Gino. Uh, For those of you who have an order of service, uh, you will note there are additional announcements printed within. Uh, You will also note that I uh, just went off script there and did two things out of order, because I'm a real wild card. Uh, So now, the thing that was before the brief invitations is what we're going to do. Uh, Please join me in our unison chalice lighting. The words are printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. And now, for those of you who are here in the building with us, uh, please rise and greet your neighbor. Get to know one another. Excellent. As much as I don't like to cut off any casual conversation or Reiko's playing, uh, there is more time for conversation at coffee hour after the service today. Uh, And the auction as well. (laughs) Thank you, Gino. (laughs) Uh, If you would all like to rise in body or spirit as you are able for our spoken covenant and sung doxology, please do so now. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Thank you.
2: weather sometimes tells us something. It's not unusual for fog and low clouds to settle in over the city of San Francisco, as it has today. But we must always remember that there is a sun that lies beyond it. A sun that gives life to our earth and an earth that gives life to us. Let us treat each other and this earth with great respect remembering that we are the child of this universe. Amen.
0: I'd like to thank Mark Sumner and the choir and pianist for that beautiful song. Thank you guys so much. That was lovely. As mentioned, today's sermon is about feeling alive, things that make us feel that way. Uh, And I was asked to reflect on that topic. Reverend Dave posed the question, what's a time when you've felt alive? Um, And the thing about asking someone who performs for a living uh, a time they felt alive, I can guarantee you that all of us would say, when I'm performing. Um, And the thing about this particular moment is, it would feel very weird to talk about how I feel alive talking in front of people when what I'm doing is talking in front of people. So I've decided to not do that, and we'll go a little deeper into the well here today. Um, when I was a kid, my grandparents took me along with them to work at auto part swap meets. Uh, if you have not ever been to an auto part swap meet, uh, it is like a flea market for car parts. Sometimes they're set up as an attachment to a regular flea market or a part of an antique car show. Uh, The primary attendees of Auto Part Swap Meets, at least when I was young, were old men who worked on cars and their bored family members who had been dragged along for the outing. Uh, My grandpa would give me $20 for helping load all the stuff up in the trailer and unload it once again when we arrived at whatever unused fairground or parking lot we'd be at that week. He would lay out his tables and organize all the car parts appropriately, whatever that meant. Uh, He specialized in selling antique car parts. Uh, Some of the stuff that he had out was labeled with a price. Other things were not. Uh, Everything, though, I assure you, was open for haggling. Uh, It was his favorite thing. Uh, My grandfather occasionally would acquire a part that he couldn't identify from some foreign car he had not worked on. I have a memory that one time, a man picked up a part that my grandfather did not know what it was, and the man asked my grandfather how much it was. My granddad paused for a moment and responded, $80, thinking that that was a good amount of money. Uh, The man interested in the part immediately broke out into a huge grin and pulled out $80 and said, sold. As he walked away, my grandfather laughed and said, I don't know what that part was, but that just guy just got a very good deal on it. <laughs> uh, our booth at the auto part swap meet was a little different from most of the other booths which primarily sold auto parts and uh, occasionally vintage car memorabilia. Uh, I'm wearing a 55 Chevy butt belt buckle right now obtained at such a place. Uh, you can look at it after the service, it's cute. Um, uh, our booth though, uh, Because my grandparents, ever the entrepreneurs, saw bored family members who had been dragged along to the swap meet as a business opportunity. Inevitably, at every swap meet, our booth would be visited by a string of older women who would say, finally, something that isn't a bunch of old car junk. My grandmother had set up her portion of the booth uh, where she sold clothes for geese. Not real geese, uh, but the cement kind you'd put on your front porch. She'd have outfits for them, like a leprechaun costume for St. Patrick's Day, or a Santa outfit, or like bib overalls and a flannel shirt in case you wanted your front porch goose to look like a farmer for some reason. Uh, She also made other home decor crafts. Uh, One of them looked like a child that had been put in the corner on time-out. They were, in retrospect, a little creepy. Um, uh, But my favorite thing that she sold were these giant uh, anthropomorphic rabbits dressed as maids that were intended to cover your vacuum cleaner. Uh, They were incredibly intricate works of sewing that took a lot of skill and no doubt led to my adult appreciation of a very kitschy aesthetic. Uh, my grandmother's generally lower-cost items sold so well that she would often rival the income of my grandfather at these auto part swap meets. Uh, there is something to be said about cornering the market. Uh, and lastly, there was the third section of our booth. Uh, it was a small card table, which I would set up, and I would sell baseball cards, football cards, soccer cards, superhero trading cards uh, on a good day, I would make about $5 because I sold these cards for about a quarter a piece. And mostly I'd make them from other kids who had been dragged along and their grandparents wanted to buy them something that wasn't a muffler. Um, But occasionally I would get money from an adult who found the superhero cards and fondly recalled reading Shazam or Wonder Woman when they were kids. Eventually, my parents moved far enough away from my grandparents that these... Outings were no longer really feasible, um, but they do still stand out as one of my fondest memories, enough so that I'm willing to count these as memories of a time I felt alive. At the time, the 25 bucks a day I made as a kid was a big deal, though in retrospect, I do not think that is what made me feel alive. It was that I was given responsibilities and that I felt like an active participant in my family. Uh, The time I spent with people who cared about me and wanted me to be a part of their lives, no matter how strange that part might be. Also, the day inevitably ended up with a stop at the ice cream shop, so that was nice, too. Thank you. And now... Sorry, everyone, I told a story and got lost in my place. Uh, Now, for a more serious matter, uh, it is the time for our offering. Uh, This Sunday's offering will go to UUA's Disaster Relief Fund. The UUA Disaster Relief Fund is here for Florida congregations affected by Hurricane Ian. Uh, But we need your help now. The fund is near depletion and we have only just begun receiving urgent requests from congregations. You can make a one-time or recurring uh, contribution. To make a donation on Vanco, you can go to bit.ly slash UUSF payments or using the donate button below if you are watching our on-live stream. Uh, if you're going to our website, please select offering uh, as the choice to make your gift. If you're sending a check, please mark in the memo today's date and special offering 101622. Uh, 16 1000s of Floridians have been impacted. Uh, while the impact of the storm's destruction is still being assessed, We already know that the UU congregation of Fort Myers building and campus received significant damage, at least 20,000 worth. Uh, The UUA Disaster Relief Fund is here for congregations affected by the storm. Uh, So we greatly appreciate all of your donations. The ushers will be coming through the aisles. Uh, Please give generously. Thank you.
2: thinking about being alive in times like what you've just seen on the screen, Reverend Karen Foster says this, there is of course the medical definition of being alive and then there's the more spiritual and existential one. Not sleepwalking through life, but being fully and truly alive is all about having some things in our lives that we dedicate ourselves to and feel passionate about. Howard Thurman, author, theologian, and civil rights leader, gave this advice. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, and go do that, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Being alive is also about living into hope. President Barack Obama shared this wisdom. He said, the best way to not feel hopeless is to get up and do something. Don't wait for good things to happen to you. If you go out and make some good things happen, you will fill the world with hope, and you'll fill yourself with hope, too. When we first learned about this terrible COVID disease, it it wasn't easy to feel alive like this music wants us to feel. I know I didn't in the beginning. I, I hated being shut up in my own house. And even though I was used to it, in some ways it felt like being in jail. I know some of you may have felt the same way, but I don't, quite feel that way anymore. It's as though the fog is beginning to lift and instead of muted colors on the buildings in the San Francisco landscape, we begin to see color again. And that's good because as Howard Thurman suggested in this morning's reading, the world needs in it people who feel alive so they can develop the kind of hope that's necessary to overcome the pessimism that sees so many of us during the twin times of COVID and the lingering on of Trumpist attitudes that continue to threaten our very democracy. The people who've fallen for those kind of ideas have lost the empathy and compassion that are so basic to having hope for the future. For whatever their reasons, such people would prefer, instead of caring for the whole of our society, to sinking into a kind of selfishness in which the well-being of other people just is no longer relevant. They think others should take care of themselves or just get out of the way. Unitarian Universalists have had a long history of rejecting such attitudes, at least when we've been at our best, and there have been times when we weren't, of course. It's why instead of complaining about restrictions on in-person worship during the pandemic, we turned to electronic means for bringing us into community, just like the singers were on that screen as they were singing from their own homes, but together with one another. We found ways to achieve that, ways to be together without risking infecting ourselves or our fellow congregants with this disease that has taken hold of so many. During the time we were honoring the lockdown, my wife and I found comfort in watching The Tonight Show. We hadn't watched that much in the past, the show with Jimmy Fallon. But before he returned to the glitz of his Broadway studio in New York, Fallon broadcast his show from home and his wife filmed it on her iPhone with their children running around and bumping in to each other and playing games. And via Zoom, Fallon himself interviewed guests with whom he usually talked about the frivolous things or what movie they were appearing in. From his home, he talked with his guests in a more serious manner. Typically, he talked about topics that he'd always shied away from Fallon was showing that family life and social conscience don't have to be separated from each other in the lives of those who are alive, despite things like the pandemic and threats from those who've fallen for a philosophy of uncaring. In our times, rather than falling for such a philosophy, we need the kind of empathy and compassion that. Fallon was modeling out in those programs from his home. He was showing a bit of his own real life. And in our real lives, those of us who are here know that we can't escape all the bad things that happen. We can't escape the fact that either we or members of our family or our friends have had times when they didn't seem able to get things together. And who of us hasn't seen some disease wreck havoc? Hasn't seen divorce, an accident, or the loss of a job affect them? Or us. And what of those who've endured oppression because of their skin color or sexual preferences or lifestyle or opinions? I tried to address one particular side of this issue a long time ago when I wrote a book about marriage. I'd had trouble in my own first marriage, the one I had before, the one I had with my lovely wife, Jan, which has gone on for a very long time. In that first marriage, there were things that happened that led me to trying to figure out what to do to build a sustained relationship. And I was also trying to figure out what to do As a supposed liberal minister, who people could turn to as their last resort, they were asking me to do marriages when the marriage that was going to take place was something that was disdained by polite society or was even illegal. I came to the conclusion that it wasn't some government in what they said or the attitudes of people in polite society. What mattered was the love that people felt for themselves, and that needed to be honored by institutions like marriage. And I wrote about that in my book. So it was in 1971, believe we'll it a long time ago, I officiated at my first gay wedding at a nightclub in Newport, Kentucky. The editors at Beacon Press, our denominational publishing house, on whose board I sat, heard me talk about that and they encouraged me to write about my supportive attitudes about marriages, including marriages that up until that time had been frowned upon, showing, I think, some denominational support for my attitudes. But that shouldn't have been so surprising since the press had already been publishing books that showed how people showed compassion, even in the most difficult times, or when what they were doing wasn't approved of by the societies in which we lived. For instance, they published a book called Walls by a German author named Helgund Zosserman. In her book, Zosserman talked about what it meant to be alive show empathy and compassion during the Second World War in Nazi Germany. She was the only person near a prison who understood Scandinavian languages. So she was recruited by the Nazi officials to translate and censor letters written by those prisoners. During that time What she was able to do, because remember, she was the only one who understood Scandinavian languages in that area, was to allow the prisoners to hear from their families about their real lives and their real feelings and to communicate back to them likewise. This meant something was going on that was extraordinary. So extraordinary that one of the prisoners said to her, what you are doing makes me understand I am alive, no matter what these things going on are doing to me. It's significant that Zasserman brought her book to Beacon Press. She did so not only because she admired the social conscience, The press had shown in publishing books like the Pentagon Papers, it was because the books Beacon published showed that Unitarian Universalists were caring people. We are. We are people who not only want to feel alive ourselves, but want others to be able to feel alive as well, understanding the meaning of what Arianna Huffington writes in an online post she published in more recent times. Huffington wrote, since Einstein, scientists have been trying to come up with a theory of everything which would explain our entire physical world by reconciling general relativity with quantum physics. In the study of our emotional world, there is no analogous theory of everything. But if there were, Empathy and compassion and giving would lie at the center of it. Modern science has overwhelmingly confirmed the wisdom of those early philosophers and religious traditions who affirmed this. Empathy, compassion, and giving, which is empathy and compassion in action, are the building blocks of our being. With them, we flourish. Without them, we wither. If we're to flourish, our Unitarian Universalist forebearers believed that it would come from following what David Brooks calls a humility code. Such a code would say that rather than waiting for happiness to come our way, we should live in a way that creates it. We should work to understand ourselves including not only the gifts we have, but the flaws with which we must deal. We should know that we don't have to be better than others, just be ourselves at our best. We should understand the connectedness we have with others and with life itself. We should get behind the notion that life should always be good to us. That is not a notion that sustains itself. So when bad things happen, we should pull ourselves together and get on with our lives. And if we need help in doing that, we should ask someone to help us. For after all, they're a part of this interconnected web of existence of which we're a part too. And when good things happen, we should respond. Understanding as the theologian Paul Tillich put it, we are accepted by this universe of which we are part as long as we have the courage to be. Being alive in this way isn't something onerous as some people would like us to think. In fact, there's a joy in it. As one person put it, a life of compassion and caring in which human life and human well-being are not matters of some kind, of economic equation, but as regarded as something sacred, is something we should understand and live. The pandemic that has held us in its grasp is beginning to fade a bit and as it does, we should be able to regain a sense of aliveness, the empathy and compassion that go with it. If we can, we'll be able to behave in ways that help us to move closer to the social and economic justice which our world so desperately needs to achieve. Doing this rather than falling into self-servingness as we would be lured into by Trumpism is what our world so desperately needs. It needs it especially when times feel bleak. Adding to this bleakness with pessimism doesn't help. What will help, as Barack Obama put it, will be to go out and make some good things happen. Doing this will help fill the world with hope, and that will fill us with hope, too. So do as much as we can to feel alive and help others to feel that way, too which is a thought to which I would say, Amen and Shalom. Let us all share the blessings of this earth and add to it our own blessings. Amen.
0: Please open your gray hymnals to hymn number six. And rise
3: in body and spirit.
2: What it requires is our being open, love, compassion, and being with others in that spirit. Amen.